Have you or someone you care about ever had a physical ailment that you just couldn't get to the bottom of? Have you ever considered the mind-body-spirit connection and wondered about maybe taking a different approach? Today's guest is a manual osteopathic practitioner, among other things, and he is here to share his fascinating perspective on well-being and how we can experience more freedom in our lives. Welcome to the How to Be Free podcast. I'm Michelle LaDuke Catlin. And I'm Stephen Francis. Stay with us as we explore how to create more freedom within the mind-body-spirit connection in just one week. Elias Abdel Ahad is a manual osteopathic practitioner, as well as an anthroposophist, which I'm fascinated to hear more about. Mm. He's dedicated to the spiritual science of healing with over 20 years of experience as an international therapist and workshop facilitator. He continues to train in a variety of healing modalities that reflect his deep understanding of the psychosomatic aspect of our body-spirit-mind connection. And he has a deep desire to help his clients orchestrate authentic healing and change in their lives. And interestingly, before I asked him to be a guest on our podcast, before I even mentioned that I'd started a podcast or what it was called, he told me that the whole purpose of his practice was to have his clients experience more freedom. So naturally, I had to invite him here. So welcome, Elias. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, good morning, guys. Thank you so much for uh, for hosting me. And like, I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully it will be a nice uh, journey with you today. Yeah, 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 Beautiful. yeah, yeah. Lovely. Um, so we, we often start out by asking our guests, um, what does freedom mean to you? Um, freedom is freedom by itself to me. It's It's like really a perspective. It's it's very individual. Mm. Like even if we live in a society and our society or government gives the rules of freedom, mm. um, to me, it's very individual. You mm. can see it from people you live with in the same household. You can see it between siblings. You can see it between um, like societies, even church mosques or like even a synagogue, how mm. every single person experience his own freedom according to his own development mm. again now i'm talking about people who know that they are individuals because nowadays we see more and more people who just like follow the mainstream mm. of whatever that is and like oh i have to be at work from nine to five like you see people who really push themselves to be there so where's my freedom in that what am i doing to change my own life. You know, like people go to work, they come home, they eat, watch TV, go to bed. And mm. again and again and again, it's like we are imprisoned mm. in a certain routine. Mm. And then we ask again, what is my freedom? How am I free? Yeah. So freedom is in your thoughts, is in your feelings, is in your actions. It's how you connect to yourself to be able to connect to others. Mm -hmm. And mainly we see that like freedom is related to the other and we forget about thyself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And of so course freedom. we will develop this more 
Yeah. But I just wanted to give, like, no, in a sort nutshell, of, sort of a paradox, isn't it? It's like the freedom is to is the ability to be yourself, then, and and hmm, there's a circularity to it somewhere. Yeah. So you're you're free to to explore being yourself, and then and then the put and then the experience of freedom is therefore obviously more personal. It's, I, I love what you say about about it's perhaps placing your focus on the other. I, I was an actor in a previous life, and the training is all about actually placing your attention on on your acting partner and getting it off yourself. And and then you don't. I I never experienced stage fright or anything like that because right. it was I was all I, about my partner. I'd like you mm-hmm. to expand on that a little more because I yeah. I also find that quite fascinating. Sit, can you just expand on that? So the freedom, how does one's experience of freedom relate to, or how is it connected to how one relates to another? You know, it's um, mainly it's about respect. You know, like the freedom... There's an Arabic say, saying that says, and I hope I'm quoting it right in English, that like my my um, my freedom stops or starts when the other's freedom starts as well. Mm. So like how much am I contributing to the openness of the other? Mm. But again, before being able to connect to the openness of the freedom of the other, how much am I free? Mm. That's you a know, fascinating perspective. And again, you mentioned that like uh, how I deal with my own clients, right? Like clients come to see me because as you know, they have like certain ailments that nobody has been able to figure out what is it related. And then they end up being told that, oh, it's all in your head. Like it's, it's not even there. It's just your head that's making this lower back pain seize 24 mm. seven. To me, it does not make sense. There's always a trauma. There's always something stuck. So when someone comes to see me, I see them of course, for like two, three times once a week or depending on their schedule. And then after those two or three sessions, I just tell them, feel free. How do you want to proceed? And people panic. Like, what do you mean? You want me to take my own choices? Mm. So this panic, it's Michelle, it, it makes them like, oh my gosh, what am I experiencing here? Some people flee and I never see them again. As some other, they go like, you know what? I want to see you once a week. Some other, they go like, I'll contact you whenever I feel like seeing you. And to me, this is the main course of healing Healing is not only about like removing a pain or removing a trauma. It's it's a life process. It's like allowing you to be you in all your forms. And freedom is one of our forms. I hear in that something that um, our Western medicine doesn't focus on, which is personal responsibility for health. So, and I hear that because I've had to experience it for myself. I went for years looking for answers and all I wanted is for, was for someone else to take responsibility for it, for someone else to fix it, to heal me. But the moment that I began to take personal responsibility to listen to my own body's rhythms, demands, um, I began to heal. So I, I hear that. Is that correct to say that um, at least part of what you do is helping people to become responsible for their own healing? You know, because it's part of the healing. I see the person one hour per week 
right? And then he has all the other leftover hours throughout the week. What is he doing to help himself? Yeah. You know, how much is he connected to himself? Yeah. To his own thinking and feeling and willing. Yeah. Or is it or is it just like something that go like, oh, I'm seeing him next week. Okay. 50% (laughs) of my pain is gone. Next week, 100% will go. Well, I'm not sure how much stress you're living in throughout your week. Yeah. You might come back with 200% more pain. I see what you mean. You're seeing him for, I think it's what is 168 hours in a week, isn't there? I think if I'm doing the mental math right. So you're seeing him for one 168th of his life. What is he doing with the other, you know, ninety-nine point something percent of his of his time. Yeah. 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 Like what you kind of thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. You and you mentioned, so you've talked about um, you know, uh, that people are told, well, it's all in your head, as if if it's in your head, therefore it isn't real. And I know that you talk about psychosomatic. And I know for many people, psychosomatic means, oh, it's all in your head. It doesn't matter. But in mm-hmm. fact, that's not what psychosomatic means. Can you Absolutely. talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so like more and more research have been done and like, I'm really grateful that they've been done, but it's something that we studied it even like in the anthroposophical school in Switzerland and the mention between the brain gut access, you know, um, like mm. everybody hears about it now, everybody talks about it, but what is this access? What links, what is the biggest link between the brain and the gut? So if we want to take a human being and start dividing him, Like we have the head that is like the thinking, we have the heart that is related to the feeling, and then we have the guts and the limbic system that's related to movement, right? So to be connected from the head to the guts, you have to go through the heart. And this is what people usually, we don't connect to, we don't connect to our feelings. I have to go to work without thinking that like, I hate my job. It's fine. I love it when people express anger. Mm. I really love it because it's an emotion. Mm. I don't want them to keep on saying, oh yeah, like this is what my life is all about. I love angry people. Those are the people who have the best way of moving forward because anger is like in a way the opposite of fear while fear keeps you stuck in your Stockholm syndrome, which hopefully we will talk about in a bit. Anger just like pushes you forward, like to break all the walls and to make you more free. So going back to the brain gut access, it's all related to the vagus nerve. And now everybody um, heard about that nerve and how it's functioning because of all the work that is done in in the psychotherapy world. And people are starting to see how much that connection is important. So if you are always in fight or fright, your your vagus nerve is always seized up and it's not bringing the connection. So the brain has like maybe over 300 trillion neurons and so does your gut, while the link between them, uh, which is the vagus nerve, it only has like 10,000 neurons. So imagine like a huge highway with 10 lanes and then all the cars have to go into one lane and then you will have another 10 lane again. So if that one lane or let's say two lanes is blocked, which is the vagus nerve, can you imagine what will happen in the brain and what will happen in the guts? 
Mm. And I'm, when I say the guts, I mean the limbic system. I mean the joints, the muscle, the movement, mm. how much people feel stuck in their head and then their body will be stuck because they work together. And this is what all the ancient medicine was about before the traditional started to be, or like the conventional medicine start mm -hmm. to take place, <clears throat> where like you just need a pill and everything will be fine. While before it was like, oh, tell me what are you dreaming? And then from the dreams, they can say, like if we take Paracelsus or Avicenna, who are like really the masters of, um, of medicine in the ancient times, you can see how different that was. They used to take the dreams into consideration, your thoughts, uh, what you were feeling, and then diagnose your body and then give you a medicine around it. Well, now you just go in, you just say, what's your symptom? Um, even if you go to, I mean, some therapist, if you if your arm is painful or it's broken, they just work on the arm. While to me, I go like, mm, no, I, I have to work on the other side. We are a whole. Mm. You know, what does that arm symbolizes? You know, it's interesting when you talk about how... Uh ancient practitioners, how they, the dream state, and they, they looked at the whole mind, body, spirit. And I think that people today are starting to come around to that, even if we just look from the perspective of stress. We know that stress is a mental, emotional phenomenon, and, and we know that it impacts almost all of our mostly at least all of our Western ailments, you know, that stress has a huge impact. So I don't think it's that big a um, gap, you know, as perhaps it used to be, the more that we understand how stress impacts the body. You know, what I'm seeing the gap is in a way that like people and especially conventional therapists and doctors, they don't see the loop. Like it's a vicious circle. You just mentioned that like stress have a mental emotional component. But again, if the body is going through so much constraint, if the person is sitting on a desk, let's say seven, eight hours a day, and then his limbs won't, won't be able to move or to stretch, then it will affect his guts. And then he might develop leaky gut or SIBO or any other like gut problem. And then that will affect the brain and then stress will restart. So it's literally a vicious circle that mm. sometimes we miss as therapists and we don't look at it from that way. We just look at it that like, oh, you're stressed, go do yoga, go do mindfulness. Mm. I mean, I am a big fan, but I'm not a big fan. As I always tell you, Michelle, I believe in everything, but I don't believe in anything. <laughs> you know, because every single person is different. Every single person is an individual that I cannot treat like the one who was before. Every single session is different. The pain pattern is different. So how do you do that? How do you, given yeah. that you work in all these different modalities... Yeah. And that each person is individual. How do you, how do you know how to proceed? You know, I know how to proceed by listening with my hands. I know it may sound weird to some uh, listeners to us today, but uh, literally it's the way that psychotherapists listen with their ear. I listen with my hand and I was like, oh, this is what's going on. You know, like I, many 
childhood traumas came up throughout my sessions. You know, and again, I'm working on the physical body. I don't do talk therapy. It's not my field. But yet whenever I'm working, like things start to shift. And this is why my main referral point is psychologist or psychotherapist uh, from the city or like even my international clients, they all come in a way from from the same referral point. Well, I will say this because I know for many people, this is like, what <laughs> you know yeah. but uh, yeah. but isn't there a standard practice aren't there certain things yeah. you do how, how can you listen with your hands i mean what i can tell you as somebody who, who is your client is and i said this to you at the last session is you were because sometimes it's very gentle sometimes yeah. it's deep massage um yeah. you know and what i said to you at the last session was I, I almost, I had a feeling and I realized later what it was. It was bliss. And it was a feeling like connecting to love. There's there's no other, there's no way to water that down. It was an experience of love, of trust, of everything possible. How, how, I can't explain that. Yeah. But the experience was real. So whatever you're doing... I, I can believe that you listen through your hands. <laughs> and again, like the shallower the touch is, I mean, I, I will I will go deeper on that just because, uh, you know, I don't want to be reported, which is very easy to be done. Um, a good way to, uh, to explain it for therapists, if there are any who are listening or like people who are interested, is just whenever I listen, I go in a very subtle touch. And the more subtle I am, the deeper I go. And the deeper I go into your body, the more your body and your nervous system will start experiencing something called rest and digest. Mm. Okay? Because mm. again, we are stuck in a loop of fight or fright mm. or freeze. Mm. Since so the moment so you're, we you're really up, just communicating that, that I'm okay with this, right, is really what's happening. Is yes. that is that subtle touch? Is just saying, it's it's uh, it's that soothing touch that not all of us get as as, as little yep. little ones, right? I mean, I, you know, it, I, the hand thing makes sense to me the, because, you know, I've been reading and learning a little bit about the work of Doctor another. I think he's based in Canada, uh, Gabor Mate. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you know, and he's talking about how you know trauma is anything that you. That you can't express that you can't you can't share in a sense right well a lot of that happens before you really have words for it in, in a way trauma all trauma happens and you don't have words for it you can't explain why it was so awful kind of a thing using words so it makes sense to me that it would have to be some other way of communicating that within the physical apparatus of the body the the energetic and physical apparatus of the body and that's just an opinion but you know it's just... no you're absolutely right because on the other hand um um I forgot the name of the of the author. Like there's a very uh, famous book. It's called "The Body uh, Keeps Its Score." Uh, sure. um, yes. Van Van, yes. Van Van something. Um, I I apologize. We can put it, we'll put it in the name. show notes. Yes, yes yeah. please. Yeah, yeah. And again, like Rudolf Steiner, who's the founder of Anthroposophy, he used mm. to say that like whatever happens in the psyche, it will just go and sit in the muscles. So mm. the muscles mm. are the trash can of our trauma of our uh, psychic experiencing whether good or bad 
And to me, that makes so much sense in my work because it's like really I can feel what kind of tension, mm. how the fascia is like stuck or not, not being able to breathe just because definitely something happened at a certain time in our lives and we are all traumatized. I mean, this is part of life mm. and this is part of like thriving. And this is where people get stuck, mm. you know, like I have lots of people who cry when I take them into this rest and digest. It's just because they are not used to it. We live in a Stockholm syndrome 24 mm. 7. Mm. So, you can know, you especially speak to like that. Yeah, yeah I was like say, to... yeah, yeah, I know yeah. you wanted to, to talk about Stockholm syndrome. And of course, I, I understand it as when, when a person is kidnapped and yeah. they form a, a trauma bond with their kidnappers and actually begin to identify with the cause. You know, uh, the most famous probably Patty Hearst, right, in the States in, in, the, in the 70s. Yeah wealthy heiress and she was captured by the Symbionese Liberation Army, if I remember correctly, and they robbed banks together and she was acquitted and has lived a very quiet and, and blameless life since robbing those banks. Uh, so what's your personal take on Stockholm syndrome? Because it sounds like it's you've taken it a little bit, maybe almost intrapersonal. Yes, uh, absolutely. And this is how I, I see it. Like, And it's like when we spoke before going on air, it's like I'm seeing more and more people are just like living, we are living in a PTSD form mm. of like what happened with COVID, right? Like mm. since it started, how it was um, on, on the media, how it was portrayed and people are more and more living in that PTSD. So they have developed this kind of like Stockholm syndrome that like, oh, this is my reality, you know, without being able to see a bit outside of that reality because reality as well is the perspective. Mm. You know, it's it's That's, not yeah. it's not yeah. something that is a fact, you know. And you see like fact checkers, like when <laughs> I post something on Instagram, uh, like I cannot, and I'm <laughs> no more posting anything related to, uh, to the virus because yeah. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, but I, I try to help people how to be better within themselves, you know, like um, mm. how to boost your immune system, how to be connected to yourself, how to talk to your inner child. Mm. You know, like whenever we are stuck in that um, Stockholm syndrome or like in this like fight or fright, we lose contact with our inner child who's part of like lower self that will allow us to connect to our higher self. Mm. So you know, and what, to me, how, this is, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I was just going to say, how do we do that? Because, you know, it's such a beautiful tie. And I, I, it's, I mean, you've said so much of value um, in terms of, again, coming back to personal responsibility for our well-being and for our freedom and for reality itself. Because what is reality is, is what we to some degree, say it is what we accept. It is what we create. So, what we create. So if mm. we're, if we are victims of Stockholm syndrome, if we're just saying, okay, so it really is like this. This is how this disease is. As an example, this is how it must be. As an example, yeah. you know, in terms of whatever mandates or rules or laws um, come into be. We accept it, and I think people accept it because it just feels so much easier because they're tired, they're afraid, and it feels easier to just accept it. What can we do to experience even 5% more freedom 
to expand that sense of our ability to create our reality and to be more free? You know, it's really, I mean, there are many, many, many ways, but to me, the best way, especially now, is to really connect to that inner child, is to really put your right hand on your chest, take a couple of deep breaths, try to pull a tiny bit of your skin down. Hmm. Close your eyes for a couple of seconds, take deep breath, and exhale. Try to see what's happening under your hand. Try to see how your thoughts are starting to sink into your body. Try to see how your thoughts are just starting to be calmer and more at ease. You can take it to the next step and try to see yourself as a child doing something funny or silly. Yeah, you say, oh my gosh, look at both of you are smiling. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Like, this is freedom. Mm -hmm. It's when we relive our own integrity and our own authenticity. Because the reality is like, I have to please Michelle so that she can accept me. Well, what about I'm... Michelle trying to connect to her own Michelle and or if Stephen connecting to his own Stephen and being like authentic with yourself. Yeah, I love the smiles on your faces. <laughs> it's always amazing to me. What an incredible reminder that just putting your hand on your heart, how soothing, comforting, yeah. loving that is. Yeah. That's and beautiful. Especially, that is... Yeah, especially like when you try, like it's slight pull downwards mm. on the skin because that will like trigger the vagus nerve to just like shift and to rest and digest. And you saw like, I don't think we did it more than 20 seconds and both of you, you were like yeah, yeah. smiling and like yeah. going into la, yeah. la La Land yeah. that yeah. we all deserve to live in somehow. Yeah. And it makes you realize how much, you know, I would say trauma is like, it's like programming. I mean, you don't really have a lot of choice in what you do when you're traumatized, you know, there's been times I had a lot of trauma from childhood and I've worked through it, um, trance therapies and things like that. But, you know, there's times where I've just like shouted at my wife because she's just, what she's doing is triggering me. Right. And I'm mm -hmm. not, I'm not, I don't have any say in that moment, you know, let alone even not connecting to my inner child and, uh, you know, which is the place we all create from and so forth. Right. But just in terms of like being patterned by something that happened in the past, just having a little bit more freedom from that, I, I agree. I think that's a very profoundly personal experience of freedom, you know. Yeah. Thank you for it. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank, thank you. you. And again, beautiful. yeah, like you mentioned, 5%. And I was like, it's, it's really, I mean, of course, as we said, there are many aspects of discovering the freedom, but connecting to oneself, waking up in the morning. I mean, the first thing we do when we wake up in the morning, we just go to the toilet, right? Uh, so just like look into the mirror and say, good morning, handsome, or good morning, beautiful. <laughs> like no matter how, yeah. You know, like yes, it's good. really this deep connection to oneself. Like mm. when we look into the mirror, you just look into the mirror to shave or to comb your hair. But have you ever looked deep into your eyes and what your eyes are telling you? Mm. You know, or like to put some makeup on, just like 
really have this deep connection, it will just take less than a minute. And that will make a huge shift in the way you start perceiving yourself. Mm. Mm. I notice that um, it's interesting. We, we usually ask, you know, how can you be 5% more free in a week from now? But you just gave us something to be 5% for, more free like that. Yeah. Yeah. I that's, mean, honestly, wasn't that instantaneous? That's instantaneous. Even? That's the very word. Yeah. I, I'm just yeah. I'm just sitting here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're if you're <laughs> listening to this or watching this, I strongly encourage you to, to give it a try. That's remarkable. And and the little the little pull down with the hand is really because we've all put our hand over our heart. And if if you're like me, you're you're an American, you know, you swear allegiance to the flag or whatever. This is a different thing. So so give it a try, folks. You know, it's really, really great. You could swear allegiance to yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. To one's authenticity. Well, well said, well said. There's so much more we could talk about. There really is. Anthroposophy <laughs> and, uh, and Rudolf Steiner, and I, I know a little bit about Rudolf Steiner. I would love to explore that more, but perhaps we could have you back at some point and talk about some other, other elements of your work. Uh, but, I mean, I can't think of a, of a better place to rest than this. Is there anything, <laughs> anything you want to ask us or tell us, Elias, at this point? Uh, no, like I really thank you so much for today. And uh, we just like tried, I really tried like to really squish it into like a yeah. short time. Well, that's give, like, that was some good squishing. Because I am a talker. I talk a lot. And yeah. um, especially like when it goes to anthroposophy. So I tried not to tap into it. Yeah. Uh, and again, like we are only four people in Canada who offer those kind of therapies. Um, so and, and that's an important point. And uh, uh, another of our guests from Canada. So how how do um, how do folks reach you? Do you do you work remotely with people first, or do, do they need to see you in person? It sounded like you said you had international clients. I'm wondering, is there a way to work with you through Zoom or some other similar media? Yeah, or? yeah. Like I have some clients that I do through um, like Zoom platform or like WhatsApp video calls. Depends mm -hmm. what what is available for them, uh, or like even in person. I work with two psychotherapists mm -hmm. um, in a clinic uh, near Young and Shepherd, and like it's a beautiful setting. And I'm just like people who really understand what I do. Um, we we work cohesively, and we're just mm -hmm. I'm just mm -hmm. in love with what I do. Yeah, I do what yeah, I love yeah, and I it, love what I do, right? It comes across, it really does. So how, how do people yeah. find you? How do they reach you? Um, well, usually it's either through my website uh, or through my Instagram account. It's um, at Elias Abdelahad, E-L-I-A-S-A-B-D-E-L-A-H-A-D. -A -A uh, my company name is uh, Osteosophia, and I'm developing another one soon. Um yeah, like usually before COVID, I used to give courses about how to touch and how to be connected to touch. Yeah, um, uh, yeah but now like with COVID, I, I stopped. But hopefully, hopefully one day things will go back to sort of normalcy and we can <laughs> explore that In, again. And, uh, yes. Osteosophia and I have here is, is sorry, sorry, Mish, it's, it's O-S-T-E-O-S-O-F-I-A. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's FIA because the PI, the PHIA was already uh, taken. So <laughs> really, gosh, wow! Very practical. <laughs> Very practical. So I have to say that it's an F. Thank you yeah. for yes. that, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Osteo, Osteo Sophia with an F dot com. Yes.
Yes, that's me. Beautiful, beautiful. I, th- I think you could do a half hour of just people putting their hand on their heart and pulling down, and, I and think you, so you, you talk to them. And that would be that would be a boon for the world. That would be fantastic. So. Yeah. yeah, you know, like I, I really always try, like even when I do lives on Instagram and like um, in the Middle East or other places, it's it's really all about like connecting to yourself. And people get shocked, like, oh my gosh, I felt different, and like ten seconds. I was like, mm, yeah, because you just connected to something that you don't know exists, right? You. <laughs> you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And how can you f- be free if you don't connect to you? Yeah. That's well, an important question. Well said. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you guys. so much, Elias. What yeah. a pleasure I to really have appreciate you here. it. An honor and a privilege, yeah. really. Yeah. Thank you. And Elias. thank you to all our guests for being here and joining us on the How to Be Free podcast. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Sound is by uh, Toby and Caitlin. They're our wonderful sound engineers in the UK. Music also by uh, Tobias Leach. And um, we look forward to you joining us for the next episode of How to Be Free. Thank you.